Take your Bibles and turn to 1 Timothy chapter 1, will you please? 1 Timothy chapter 1. Your testimony or your God story is a powerful thing. It's something that God can use to minister to others and to encourage those that you come in contact with. Now our testimonies or our God stories, however you want to identify them, are all different. But they're really all the same. Because they all start with where we were, they recognize what God has done, they then discover our response to what God has done, and then we see what God is doing. To Him be praise and honor and glory forever and ever, and all God's people said, our testimonies are powerful tools that God can use to encourage each other. I'm going to ask Preston to join me on the platform, please. And Preston's going to give his testimony this morning. I I never get that. Good morning. So I was asked to do my testimony, and I was asked to do it quick. So stick with me here. Um, I was born and raised at this church. I know that I came here, the first time I was ever here was when I was two days old. And I know, I'll cut it down. And I was raised here, and many people here have seen me grow up through the ages and seen me grow up through the years. I say ages, it's been two decades. <laughs> seen me grow up here and have seen me either I was running around causing trouble in Sunday school, I was off in the youth group and I was causing trouble there, or I was up here and I'm causing trouble up here now. Um, but I would say that the time in which Life truly began for me. And I feel like we all have this. A moment happens in our lives, and life starts. And for me, that moment was in June of 2006. I was about seven or eight years old at the time. I, my wonderful grandparents were bringing me to church. I was living with my mom and my sister at the time. My parents were divorced in 2000 when I was two years old. And life was going great, as great as for an elementary schooler as possible. And then in 2006, I believe it was June 15th, my mom passed away. And though the cause of death I never directly was able to identify, I know that it had something to do with um, a form of drug or a form of amphetamine overdose. And at that time, I began to question and to ask ask the right questions about where was she? If God is so good, then why would he do that in my life? And those are scary questions, but they're good questions. Because they make us identify and know who our God is. Amen. And when that happened to me, I know that on June 15th, my life changed forever. And then two weeks later, my life really changed forever. And that I I went up to Camp Barakel. The students are going to Camp Barakel next weekend. I went up during a summer week, uh, two weeks after this had happened. So it was still very fresh. And the speaker at that, at that week was talking about a heart of stone. People who don't know Christ have a heart of stone. It is rough. It is hardened. It may be bitter or frustrated. And she said that the way to make a, get a heart of flesh, to not be, have this heart of stone living inside of you, was to accept Jesus as your personal Savior, was to believe that Jesus came to this earth, lived a perfect life, and died as a substitutionary sacrifice for you and for me. 
And I remember hearing that and saying, what in the world does that mean? And I went and I talked to my counselor and he provided me the answer and that Christ loves each and every one of us. And that Christ came and he died for me and for you. And that if we believe in that, that any guilt we have, any frustrations we have, any grief that we have, those still may be present in our lives and maybe temptations. It is conquered by the death and resurrection of Christ. And I remember sitting there and believing that having a personal relationship with God and accepting him into my life and having a, and a repenting of my sins and turning to God. And though life is still difficult after that, and, so, and though there are struggles and stresses in life, I know that God doesn't let crises happen for no reason. I know that God uses difficult circumstances in life for his honor and for his glory. And ever since then, I've done nothing but be able to praise God for what he's done in my life. Thank you. Was that powerful? It was powerful because Preston recognized it was God working in his life. Now, your testimony is the same because God has worked in your life. But it's different because it is God who has worked in your life. Paul has left Timothy at Ephesus, given him an assignment to work with some folks that are teaching a different doctrine and to bring the rest of the folks to a place of encouragement as they see God working in their lives. And Paul gives Timothy his testimony. Are you in 1 Timothy chapter 1? I want to begin with verse 12, and I'm going to read down through verse 17. And I want you to hear the Apostle Paul standing in front of you, giving his testimony. And here it is. I thank him who has given me strength. Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, an insolent opponent. But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am foremost but I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the king of all ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul stands before you this morning and says, this is how God worked in my life. And he continues to work that day in his mercy and his grace and his love by faith in his son, Jesus Christ. Your testimony is a powerful tool that can be used to encourage others just as Paul's testimony is a powerful tool. His God story to encourage you, and to encourage me. I think it's interesting here that Paul begins with the privilege of serving God. 
Did you note that in verse 12? I thank God who gives me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. This next May, Connie and I will celebrate 45 years of continuous vocational ministry. And as I look back on that, I recognize that there have been a lot of burdens. Paul talks about the care of the churches. But I want you to know that the blessings far outweigh the burdens. And there is nothing greater than being able to serve Jesus Christ. Now you understand that we are all full-time servants of Christ, right? Being a Christian is a 24-7, 365 kind of deal, and this year it's 366. There are some of us that just have the privilege of serving him vocationally. And Paul was one of those individuals. And it says, I thank God that he gave me the strength to do it. There are some days that you go home and you just don't know whether you've got the strength to do it another day. But you know what? I can, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Amen? And all God expects from us is that we focus on the wonder of His Son working in our lives. There are some of you who wonder whether or not you can handle anything else. There are some of you that are overburdened by the stuff of life. But let me tell you this morning that God's strength is for you just as it is for me. Because as his children, God wants to work in us and through us to do his good pleasure. And Paul said, he gave me the strength because he counted me faithful. You know, you can't fake faithfulness. You either are or you're not. Paul wrote to the believers at Corinth, moreover, is it required of stewards that a man be found faithful? And in this 24, 7, 366 days of this year, all God wants us to do is be faithful. Seek him first in his kingdom, and God will take care of all the rest. That's faithful. Recognizing that there's no trial, problem, difficulty, but such is his common demand. But God is faithful. Who will not suffer us to be challenged above that we're able? Do you believe that? Who will not challenge you to suffer that above that you may be able to, to handle it? Do you believe that? God is so faithful. And your and my response to his faithfulness is to be faithful. Now that's not just about checking boxes. It's about keeping your eyes on Jesus. And whether therefore you eat or drink or struggle through life, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. That's faithful. Paul recognizes that even as he had to carry the burden of the churches, 
It was a privilege to serve God. And he says, I thank him. Christ Jesus, my Lord. Paul wrote to the believers at Thessalonica, in everything give thanks. Can you do that this morning? For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. I want to take just 15 seconds. And I want you in your mind to complete this sentence as a prayer to God this morning. I thank God for. And please don't just use all the common stuff. Recognize that everything God's given to you is within His care. So I want to take 15 seconds, all right? Complete that sentence. I thank God for. That's just a very quick prayer to God. The privilege of serving God is strengthened by His power. His power of mercy and grace. Now, Paul outlines some things here for us. And we could go to other passages of Scripture and flesh this out. But Paul simply identifies the fact that he was a blasphemer, verse 13, that he was a persecutor, an insolent appoint, opponent of the gospel. Think about that. Paul was a blasphemer. He spoke evil of God's people and of Jesus. His words identified him in opposition to the gospel. He was a persecutor. He sought to put God's people to death. And not only were his words but his deeds showed that he was opposed to God. And then he says, I was insolent. If you have in the New International Version, it says, violent aggressor. Well, that was Paul. And yet, the Scripture says, Paul received mercy. Now, you understand the difference between grace and mercy, right? Grace, and we'll get to it in this passage, is God giving to you and to me what we do not deserve. Mercy is God not giving to us what we do deserve. May I remind you that no matter what you have done or haven't done in your life, you deserve God's judgment. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. And sometimes we forget that because we're pretty good people. We dress nicely. We smell good. And yet none of us have escaped God's mercy when we came to a personal relationship with Him through His Son, Jesus Christ. Paul writes to Titus, not by works of righteousness but that we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. And Paul recognized that even as a blasphemer, you may not be that, 
even as a persecutor, that may not be you. Even as one who is insolent, you've never done that. Paul experienced God's mercy. And may I quickly direct your attention to verse 16? He says, I received mercy. I received mercy for I was the, because I was the foremost of sinners. I received mercy because I had violated God's holy standard. I received mercy because there was nothing in me that would identify me with a holy, sovereign God. The power of God's saving grace is His mercy in our lives. The power of God's saving grace is also His grace in our lives. Verse 14, the grace of our Lord overflowed. (laughs) I like that word. It bubbled up and came out. The grace of God in your life and mine. You remember what Paul reminded us? Paul reminded us that no matter what we're going through, God's grace was sufficient. It was sufficient for him, it's sufficient for us. Paul reminded us that it's by grace we've been saved through faith. God's grace in God giving to you, God giving to me what we do not deserve. And it was identified in Paul's life through faith and love that are only discovered in Christ Jesus. You know, you cannot change your past. As you heard Preston's testimony, there are perhaps some things in his life that he would like to have changed. They're in all of our lives, right? But you can change your future. You can live out God's mercy. You can live out God's grace. You can live it out with faith and love. God working in us for His honor and for His glory. Your past does not have to define you. I don't know about your past. God does. And God also has a wonderful future for you. And that's not just heaven. As new creatures in Christ Jesus, the old, the past is going away. The new, the future is coming to stay. Paul received mercy. In the original text, it said, I was mercied. He received grace. Because of faith and love that were discovered in Christ Jesus. And twice he mentions 
that he was the foremost of sinners. I don't know whether he was or wasn't. I don't mean to say that Scripture's wrong. Not that at all. But there are some pretty rotten guys around Paul, you know? But in light of the wonder of God working in his life, everything that he did paled. And perhaps we all could say we're the foremost of sinners because it's our sin that keeps us from God. The statement you can trust in verse 15 is Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Underline that in your Bibles. Mark it in your minds, will you please? The whole purpose of Christ coming was to seek and to save the lost. The reason that he came was not to be ministered unto, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. The scripture says the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. And what was the angelic announcement? For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And you shall call his name Jesus, Mary and Joseph were told. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. You can trust that. This morning we're going to celebrate that. Christ Jesus came to the world to save sinners. And those who believe on him have everlasting life. Jesus said in John chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. Peter preached, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. If you have not identified a personal relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ, in your life, will you talk to me about that, please? Because it's the most important thing that you can do. And as you've done that, you then have a powerful testimony. God's story that He can use to encourage others and to make a difference in their lives. And Paul, in encouraging Timothy, reminds Timothy of the provider of his salvation. That's verse 17. Read it with me, will you please? Here it is. Here it is. There it is. <laughs> Love that. Read it with me, will you please? To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Woo! I mean, you talk about something powerful in your life. Here it is. King of the ages. Doesn't get any bigger or better than that. Immortal, invisible, only God. Honor, glory, forever and ever. Amen.
I don't know how God could use your testimony to encourage others, but he can. And Timothy, as we will see next week, finds himself in a battle at war. Maybe that's where you find yourself today. I don't know. But the encouragement in your life and my life is what God is doing through our lives. And it's the wonder of our God.